2: On this January day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. We can join forces, stop the shouting, and lower the temperature. And so today, at this time, in this place, let's start afresh.
1: remember, but that was January of 2021. That was Joe Biden, his inaugural speech. He wants to stop the shouting and lower the temperature and bring unity. That's where his heart is. Well, it's very strange because we all know that, uh, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So just uh, this week, President Biden actually said this clip five.
2: And we're not glad anyone or anything tear America apart. I'll close with this. We're at a serious moment in our nation's history. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. We must be stronger, more determined, and more committed to saving America than the MAGA Republicans are destroying America.
1: All right, very good. So I want to go back and revisit that little statement on January of 2021. Let's listen again to what Biden was proposing in his inaugural speech clip seven again please
2: today on this january day my whole soul is in this bringing america together uniting our people uniting our nation we can join forces stop the shouting and lower the temperature and so today at this time in this place let's start afresh
1: Well, he wants to lower the temperature. That's why uh, just a few days ago in his speech on guns, uh, he made this statement, clip six.
2: Imagine, Joe, if you turned on the television in Washington, D.C., and saw a mob of a thousand people storming down the hallways of the parliament, breaking down the doors, trying to overturn an outcome of election and killing several police officers in the meantime.
1: The liar-in-chief. The liar-in-chief. But he wants to bring down the temperature. No police officers were killed by Trump supporters on January the 6th. In fact, no police officers died on January the 6th. The only people that died were Ashley Babbitt, who was a Trump supporter, uh, uh, Roseanne Boyland, and there are a couple of others who suffered serious injuries, and we don't know if they died because they were trampled or not. We just don't know that, but they were Trump supporters all. Uh, no one else died on that day, but uh, he wants to lower the temperature, remember, because tonight he's going to bring us a primetime address battle for the soul of the nation. He wants to bring unity, you see, but I want to say one more time, out of the heart, uh, the abundance of the heart, the mouth, speaks. And so that makes me think of um, Joe Biden in this last couple of years, you know, trying to, the olive branch, unity, trying to bring peace among the American people. I guess he had that in mind when he said this, clip eight.
2: I'm announcing that the Department of Labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employers with 100 or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers To ensure their workforces are fully vaccinated or show a negative test at least once a week. We're going to protect vaccinated workers from unvaccinated co-workers. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin.
1: But our patience is wearing thin. The threat came out and they made good on that. Uh, And of course, now unvaccinated workers are, you know, infecting other unvaccinated workers. They're the ones that are catching it. Getting it over and over again, uh, and but yet they, they forced us. They forced you know people to be fired, losing their jobs. But he's going to bring unity because that's where his whole soul is. He told us that, so it must be true. You know, I watch a lot of HGTV. I'm just telling you, I do. It's like my palate cleanser. When I finish with the news, I just I love to see things. I just it's a redeeming kind of thing for me. Uh, but in the middle of uh, HGTV right TV right now are commercials for the Biden administration over and over again, especially about the bill that they just passed that's going to, you know, give us 88,000 new IRS agents. Oh, they don't mention that part of it, but they talk about how wonderful this Inflation Reduction Act, and President Biden has done this for you. It's going to put money in your pockets, and this, and this, and this abject lies and propaganda. And yet, uh, so it's being shown in the polls. We see that the polls are tightening and. Um, what should have been a slam dunk for Republicans might not be a slam dunk. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And I, I, well, I'll, I wasn't going to go off on this, but I will briefly. Uh, let me just say, the one of the problems, there's lots of problems, is that the leadership in the Republican Party, I believe I've said this before, are worthless. They're worse than worthless. I think they are intentionally corrupt and vile uh, because they don't really care. And one of the things they're not doing is establishing a message. What do Republicans, if you care about the party, which I'm not a shill for the party, I'm a shill for our country. I love the Constitution. I love what's right and what's wrong. If Democrats would embrace it, I would vote for Democrats, but they don't. Uh, they've gone off the rails. They are Marxists. They are the new Marxists. They are the fascists, which is really <laughs> amazing because Joe Biden, in his, because of his heart, is in unity. He's calling you know, um, those of us that support President Trump fascists. So that's where his heart is, I think, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But back to Republicans, the po- Republicans in charge, the leadership, they are intentionally not Presenting a message—that's what McConnell has done for years, and that's what they've done in the House for years too. They determined that they probably would more likely win if they just keep their mouth shut. They started out by telling candidates years ago not to talk about the social issues. Uh, watched all that happen. Don't talk about those icky things. Like, don't talk about abortion. They talk about abortion now because the culture has changed. So now they all say they're re- pro-life. They all—they are all pro-life. They're not really. When the when chips are down and there's a price to be paid, very few of them are really committed pro-lifers, but they always say that so that it confuses you, the voters. Uh, but the Republicans refuse to run on a message. Uh, they want to talk about give big government socialism, or they want to talk about, oh, I don't know, I don't know, you know, just nothing. You don't even know. If I were to ask you and open the phone lines, what's the message from the Republicans? You couldn't tell me. I guarantee you, you could not tell me, and that's intentional. And I noticed this time with the the primaries going the way they did, several of you contacted me. Not know, even though we've talked about it so much, not really knowing who to vote for. There's mass confusion. I think the people, you, the people, are motivated. You are willing to fight and work and try to save your country. But we're on like a rudderless ship. We have no leadership from the only party uh, that offers candidates who will do those things. And so when you go to the ballot, you go to the voter guides uh all again all the republicans claim they're conservative they're the maga conservative they say that very few of them will say they are not so you don't know how are you supposed to know how are you supposed to know and i think this is intentional it makes me very angry uh but okay several of you've written me as a matter of fact i'll stop and say this something practical in fact one Uh, One listener from Illinois said she wants to help Ron Johnson. Others are talking about candidates they'd like to help someone, would like to help uh, the governor of Florida who's not from this state. And they don't know, uh, they've heard me say repeatedly not to give to the Republican Party. So they they say, well, how can I give to them? This is, uh, let me give you a quick tutorial. I'll try to make it as clear as I can. The offices out of which senators and congressmen and governors serve are separate from their campaigns by law they cannot be the same so if you contact or go to the website of a sitting senator or a sitting congressman or governor you that is not the place to go to try to give directly to them you have to find their campaign site, which is usually like, let's say, DeSantis for governor, or it would be Ron Johnson for Senate twenty twenty what two, uh, you know. Uh, so you have to go to their campaign website, and that's where you find out where how to donate. Uh, because if you call their their um, their uh, their business offices, by law, they are not even allowed to discuss the election, or they could be bre- breaching some kind of uh, the barriers that have been written into election law. So I hope that helps you. I know I can't help you in every race, but yeah, uh, if you're, fi- if you're finding, you feel like you're stonewalled, it's because you're probably calling their, their office as in their sitting position as an, as a Senator, as a Congressman, as a governor. And you have to find their election website, which is different, it's different staff. It has to be separate by law and so that's where you go to give to them. I we'll hope that makes that clear. All right, so speaking of elections, Liz Cheney is out. She's, uh, you know, roundly defeated, but she has a new project. She was interviewed by Jonathan Carl of uh, ABC. And let's just listen to what Miss Liz is up to, clip 11.
5: So this is obviously not the end. This is a new beginning for you. You're starting this political organization. Uh, what can you tell us? What are you going to do?
3: Uh, I'm going to be very focused on working to ensure that we do everything we can um, not to elect election deniers. And I'm going to work against those people. I'm going to work to support their opponents. I think it matters that much.
5: Will you be getting involved in campaigns against those Republican candidates that are challenging or denying the results of the election? Yes. Including your Republican colleagues here in Congress? Yes.
1: Wow, isn't she? She should be really proud. Election deniers. Election deniers. That's like Holocaust deniers, it's like, you know, you know tinfoil crazy people uh, denied that the election was fair in 2020. Well, I just want to bring to Liz's attention, because she might have missed it, that the Democrats have been on that, been singing that song for several decades. They did during the Al Gore, uh, uh, her, her president, Bush, her father, who was vice president, they went on and on and on about how that election was stolen. It was finally settled in Florida. Uh, And I don't have time to go off on that, but she surely must remember that, does she not remember that? But more currently, the 2020 election. I want to just play for you a montage that was sent to me about the Democrats. Just talk. They were happy to accept the results when President Trump in 2016 beat Hillary Clinton. Really, right? Weren't they? Weren't they just thrilled about it and willing to go along with the process? I think not. Let's listen to clip 12. You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee and you can have the election stolen from you.
3: How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's the real thing. what I'm scared thing. about no, in 2020. But, but rightly. Because I right. think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. He is an illegitimate president in my <sighs> mind. Would I you hope. be my vice president? So president.
2: <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election. And he was put into office because of the Russians' interference.
6: Trump knows he's an
1: illegitimate president. The
6: president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see this president-elect as a legitimate president. You said you
5: believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election.
1: I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president.
5: The one thing that Trump... Is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate
1: his victory actually was. I'm going to stop it there. It goes on and on. In fact, Adam, let's put this on our getter page because this is worth you sharing with people who are you know can't remember, have short memories, and think that it's only Trump supporters who think there's ever 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 in the history of our country. That some election has been illegitimate. It's just the Trump, the tinfoil Trump supporters, the election deniers that Liz Cheney's going after. Um, by the way, McConnell has pulled ads for Blake Masters in Arizona through his super PAC. Uh, they're pulling them until October. Now, because they've been challenged, maybe some of you called. I don't know. It's possible. Uh, McConnell is now saying they will put $8 million starting in October. But meanwhile, Blake Masters is out there on an island by himself, unsupported by Mitch McConnell's uh, PAC money. And that's, of course, happening, I think, to Ron Johnson in Michi- uh, Wisconsin. It's happening to um, the Georgia race uh, against Raphael Warnock uh, and every another play, Oz in Pennsylvania, and on and on it goes. So stay tuned. Listen, because Mike Davis is joining us next. He is the guru of all things the Mar-a-Lago raid and a bunch of other things, too. And he's going to spend some time with us, and that's a real privilege. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk.
7: 80% of the time, an abortion-minded mother who views an ultrasound or sonogram of her baby will choose life. Here's the story of Candace.
0: The sonogram sealed the deal for me. My baby was like this tiny little spectrum of hope. And I saw his heart beating on the screen. And knowing that there's life growing inside, I mean, that sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love.
7: There are currently pre-born centers which do not have an ultrasound machine. Would you sponsor a machine today dial pound 250 and say keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby Or go to preborn.com That's preborn.com.
6: Your love could save a life. If you are 65 or older, you know this, it's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, just watching your hard-earned dollars flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into MediShare as a new option. It's called MediShare 65+. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. It really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Medishare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to ten years, and you can use your Medicare-approved doctor. And you also get telehealth 24/7 service, so you don't have to leave your home for the little stuff. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at Medishare. They're easy to talk to. Call eight three three forty five. Bible. That's eight three three forty five Bible. Eight three three forty five Bible.
5: Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn.
4: Stand by for news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge, and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect? their lives, and their careers. Hi, Todd
5: Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash starnes. President Biden called the entire Republican Party fascist. Well, the exact wording was semi-fascist, but a fascist is a fascist. During the 2020 presidential campaign, he said Republicans who support traditional marriage were the dregs of society. In essence, the president was dehumanizing his political enemies. And there's a great danger in that sort of philosophy. In recent days, Republican gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin was attacked by a man on stage at a campaign event. The attacker was armed with a knife-like weapon. Most recently, vandals attacked the GOP headquarters in Seminole County, Florida. A profane message directed at fascists was spray-painted on the windows. Words matter. President Biden promised to bring the nation together. But all he's done is divide. As the good book reminds us, you shall know them by their fruits. And this presidential apple is rotten to the core. I'm Todd Stearns.
3: Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Well, I can tell you that uh, the president in and of himself cannot just willy-nilly, uh, by a stroke of a pen, declassify documents. Or uh, I think... One of the questions that I won't answer, Shannon, is why did a president of the United States, a former president of the United States, have to have these kind of documents in his basement? I've seen videos and I've seen pictures of these documents. And these are documents that could hurt to harm the United States of America, and I'm very troubled by that, and that's the question I want. When it comes to a special master, I don't believe a a special master is necessary. They bought, they told the magistrate judge who signed this warrant that they were going to have a Mm -hmm. filter team there, and what they had was that filter team. They filtered out the attorney-client privilege information, and I really believe that there is no need for a special master.
1: All right, Sandy Rios with you. That was the familiar voice of Ted Williams. He's a frequent contributor to Fox News on criminal issues, and that was him expanding and expounding on what's happening after the Mar-a-Lago raid. Um, so there's so much to say. We've talked about it a lot, but no one knows more about it and has better insight on this than Mike Davis. He's the founder of the Article Three Project. Uh, Mike is the former—he um, uh, uh, was the legal counsel for the House Judiciary Committee— uh, we've talked about this a lot. He's been a frequent guest. He's a good friend, and I always appreciate his time. So, Mike, thanks for joining us this morning.
8: Thank you for having me on.
1: Will you want to respond to what Ted Williams just said?
8: It, you know, it's, I think what's been, what, what needs to be very clear throughout this process is people need to step back and remember three key legal points. Number one, Uh, the president of the United States has the absolute constitutional power to classify anything he wants in any manner he wants. And he doesn't need a bureaucrat's permission at the national archives to do that. And that's very clear from a 1988 Supreme court case department of the Navy versus Egan. So it's legally impossible for a president to violate the espionage act for the way he handles classified and declassified material. Number two, Uh, The Presidential Records Act does not distinguish between classified and unclassified material. So uh, to point number one, Trump absolutely declassified this material at Mar-a-Lago, both through his words and his actions. It's very clear that the Russian collusion documents were declassified as evidenced by his January 19th, two thousand. Uh, 21 memo the day before he left office where he declassified the records specifically. He also made statements that he was de- declassifying these records and he declassified them through his actions. The very fact that he took them to Mar-a-Lago declassified them. So these were declassified records, but even if they're not declassified, the presidential records act makes clear that presidents uh, are, are uh, Congress expects presidents to handle classified uh, records when he's when when they're uh, in their office of former president, the Presidential Records Act doesn't distinguish between classified and uh, unclassified. It, the Congress gives former presidents federally funded staff with security clearances, uh, office secure office space, or skips Secret Service protection. So it's it's it is specifically contemplated by the Presidential Records Act. The Presidential Records Act also allows the president. To make the sole determination whether something is a presidential record uh, that belongs to the government, it's categorized by the bureaucrats and then almost certainly sent to the president's uh, uh, former president's library, or if they're personal records, personal property of the president. And uh, so Trump made these records personal; these are his records uh, that he took. Tomorrow, these are copies of classified uh, or of declassified. Records that he took to Mar-a-Lago, and they're his. And that's uh, that he can make that determination as confirmed by a 2012 uh, DC district court ruling by an Obama-appointed judge when Tom Fenton and Judicial Watch sued Bill Clinton because he had eight years of audio tapes in his sock drawer. And the judge said that the that President Clinton made the sole determination, these are personal, end of story. Uh, and then, so if, if it's so, there goes the Espionage Act potential charge against the president there goes the the charge charges related to destruction or theft of government property it's his personal property these are copies of records the government still has the original records at the intel agencies that created these intel reports but uh, these these are personal copies and so it's it's legally impossible for someone to obstruct okay. investigations into non crimes because the government didn't have the power to investigate these crimes in the first place. And I think that's what we need to step back. We, you know, we're we're looking at pictures that the government, the the government put in a, a picture of, you know, that they created, it was their evidence they're creating of, uh, they took all these, uh, you know, documents marked classified that Trump declassified and stacked them on the floor like Trump, you know, had them scattered on the floor. And that's the impression that people are getting. But people need to step back. All this stuff uh, is irrelevant because President Trump had the absolute power to the classify. He had the sole power to determine whether these were personal records, and you can't obstruct investigations into
1: non-crimes. Okay, so to a couple of points, then, Ted Williams is just wrong. He's just wrong, and it's not a gray area, as I'm hearing you say, and I've read you know, all that you've written about this. Uh, this picture that came out yesterday, uh, just to, so that people know if they haven't seen it, it's a, all these top-secret uh, documents strewn on the carpeting, which looks like obviously, I think they're inferring it's on the floor of Mar-a-Lago somewhere, and um, and so uh, many people, including Jonathan Turley, feel that this is a P- PR move. I agree, and it, but it's interesting. PR matters, Mike. You know, like I just um, uh, just an article in Fox News by uh, Howard uh, Howard Kurtz. He says uh, he's asking the question if this isn't a turning point, and of course, he piles on. In his article about, uh, he says, I'll just read this. Whereas before we might have had the blurry vision of hurriedly packed boxes and perhaps confusion and returning them to the government, the highly classified markings, some so sensitive that FBI agents had to receive additional clearances to review them, brings the situation into sharp relief. The super secret papers at Mar-a-Lago were right next to framed Time magazine covers featuring Trump. That's how Howard pens this. It is a uh, a battle of the mind and a battle of public opinion, don't you think? Also,
8: yeah, I mean, this picture shows that the the Biden Justice Department has continued to politicize and weaponize law enforcement, and uh, they're using it against Trump, and they're and so. Remember the pattern in this case. They, the, this started out Newsweek leaks to Bill Arkin, where Attorney General, when, when there was initial blowback to the raid, they, they, the Biden Justice Department leaked out to Bill Arkin at Newsweek that Attorney General Merrick Garland didn't personally approve this raid. Well, that was a lie. We know he did. They also leaked out that Trump had nuclear documents. Uh, we know that was a lie. There aren't two classifications in the rate inventory or in this response that the government has. where they're talking about every other classified record. And there's no picture of two documents in their picture. So that that was a lie. They also said that President Biden and his White House had no involvement in this. We know that's a lie because Jonathan Sue, President Biden's deputy counsel to the president, had to waive on behalf of President Biden. President Trump's assertion of executive privilege, constitutional executive privilege, going back 250 years to protect confidential communications with presidents. Biden had to waive that. Sue, uh, Jonathan Sue did that, so and that paved the way for this raid. So they clearly knew that there was a criminal investigation. They clearly knew uh, that this raid was coming, right? So it's just a series of lies, and there's also... Um, you know the, the the lies and leaks coming out of this administration. They said that they had to redact this affidavit because it's so sensitive to the investigation and to our national security. Yet they've been leaking constantly from this affidavit. They've been illegally leaking from the grand jury, as evidenced by another Bill Arkin Newsweek piece. So it's constant leaks and lies in this case. And at the at the end of the in, end of the day. There is no crime here. It is legally impossible for president Trump to violate the espionage act and the way he handled classified materials. Cause he is the the president is the classifier and declassifier. It's his determination. It doesn't matter what the statutes and regulations say, those apply to everyone else on the planet, but the president. And this is not a Mike Davis theory. That's what the Supreme court said in department of the Navy versus Egan in 1988. And again, the Presidential Records Act uh, is is what controls here, not these other statutes on government property that are not applicable to former presidents. There is a specific statute that, former, that applies to former presidents, and the Justice Department is trying to bootstrap these other government record statutes to turn these uh, non-crimes into crimes. The Presidential Records Act does not even have a criminal component to it, because it is understandable. It is understood that there is a natural give and take between former presidents and the archives. The uh, the former president thinks everything is personal, everything is his, and that's his sole determination. The National Archives thinks that everything is a presidential record or a government record, right? So if a president sneezes into a Kleenex, the the, the librarians of the archives think that's a presidential record. It's just a natural give and take that's resolved. It should have been resolved through the civil process, notifying Congress, civil lawsuit, subpoenas. Instead, the Biden Justice Department judge shops because Garland Merrick Garland said he deliberated it for weeks. they judge shops. They went down to this magistrate judge, Bruce Reinhart, this biased judge who just recused from President Trump's civil lawsuit on June 22nd, mm-hmm. because he had a 2017 Facebook post bashing President Trump. It was a uh, civil lawsuit versus Hillary. And so this judge recused what changed in that six-week period to make to make his clear judicial bias, Judge Reinhardt's clear judicial bias, under 28 U.S.C. 455A and Canon Two and Canon Two of the Judicial Canons? What made his bias go away in that six-week period, where the where he authorized this unnecessary and unprecedented, and unnecessary, unprecedented, and unlawful home raid of a former president? And at the end of the day, Sandy, I think the reason they did this, they knew that they. They had to get back these documents because it's the Crossfire Hurricane yes. uh, Russian collusion documents that Trump declassified as mm-hmm. evidence by his January nineteenth, two thousand twenty-one declassification memo, and he took a personal copy, and those were damning because they blow up politically and legally. They they show that that uh, Obama, Biden, Hillary, Clapper, Susan Rice, the FBI, the intel community, they politicized and weaponized the law enforcement and intel agencies to, to take out Trump as a presidential candidate in 2016. And mm-hmm. so Trump and to destroy the his... goods. They were, huh. go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to say, I just want to make the point that that is proof really of the real insurrection. Uh, that really is proof to me. That's just that, that, and that's what they're so afraid of. And there, this is a whole, this is a smokescreen about other things. Uh, I, Jonathan, um, just the News just broke another story yesterday. I don't know if you saw this, but speaking of lies, you know, the National Archives has been, you know, beating their chest and saying they're, they're nonpartisan. How dare they be accused of being partisan? And the attorney now, General Counsel Gary Stern, looking back in time, Just the News has found out that he uh, was working for the ACLU in 1989 and sued President Ronald Reagan as an attorney with the ACLU during that time. So he's not exactly nonpartisan. He's the guy that's going after President Trump in this lawsuit. Today, they're meeting in court about the special master. We just have a few minutes left, Mike, and I, what do you think is going to happen, and what's at stake here?
8: Well, Judge Cannon indicated previously that she was inclined to appoint a special master in this case to sort out the documents, and I think she's going to do it, and that's a bad sign for the government because it shows that the Judge Cannon doesn't have confidence that the Biden Justice Department, that the Biden intel agencies are are telling the truth in this case. And it also shows that Judge Cannon has concern that they judge shopped and went to this biased judge, uh Judge Bruce Reinhart, Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt, who had recused on June twenty second and somehow his bias went away. So it uh you know it's it's Where where I think the Trump legal team, what they need to do after this ruling today by Judge Cannon is step back and make the legal arguments that we've discussed. And Mm -hmm. the the Biden Justice Department wants to get into the minutiae of these documents and look at the classification markings and get people panicking that, oh, Trump had these documents and it put our national security at risk. That's not the case. These were declassified. Records he took a personal copy, and they were guarded by the Secret Service. These are not like uh, these are paper records guarded by the S- Secret Service. This is not like Hillary Clinton's illegal home server with our most classified secrets when she was Secretary of State. That was that that we know that server we know was hacked by foreign governments, right? These are paper records under lock and key and guarded by the Secret Service.
1: You know, it's interesting the response of people, different people from different places. It seems to me like from where I sit, the Justice Department has kind of stepped in it. I'm reading like the analysis of Kevin Brock, who's the former assistant director of intelligence for the FBI and principal deputy director of the National Counterterrorism Center. And he just says he just he says that affidavit confirms that they've gotten really nothing. Uh, And he said, any clinging hope in certain quarters that the affidavit possessed pulverizing cause to believe Trump was engaged in a truly serious federal violation can, I think, be considered dashed. The pipe dream that Trump was engaged in espionage, actively providing secrets to an enemy, I think, is as fanciful as the Steele dossier's Moscow hotel bed reverie. And he said, and then he goes on, but it was pretty damning. Also, I've heard other attorneys, Mike, talk about how weak uh, Garland's response was oh sorry there's the music but uh, anyway it's spelled out on a very interesting article um, that we can make available to everyone what are you going to do today Mike how many appearances are you making
8: I have back to back all day and all night so I'll, I'll be very <laughs> busy but it's always <laughs> well, good to start off with you Teddy.
1: well thank you Mike and I hope you have a great day and thank God for you and uh, just take your eat your Wheaties and stay strong and we'll talk to you soon Sandy Rios in Thanks. the morning on AFR Talk
0: Today's culture is opting for entertainment rather than biblical enlightenment. For those who resist that trend, Friends of Israel shows listeners why loving the Jewish people and supporting Israel is important to the Christian faith. Friends of Israel shares biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah and promotes solidarity with the Jewish people.
7: This is Chris Katolka of the Friends of Israel Today radio program heard each weekend on this station, and here's what's happening in Israel.
0: Friends of Israel, Saturday afternoon at 2, here on American Family Radio. Take a time out in the corner.
9: Refuse to allow anything, whether they be relationships, whether they be friends and family members, whether they be a Supreme Court refusing to hear a case, whether they be any election results, no matter what it is, refuse to allow those things to eclipse the preeminence of Christ in your life.
4: The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, weekday afternoons at 5 central on AFR. The podcast
9: is available anytime at AFR.net. The borrower is the slave of the lender. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Prior to the passage of the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, over 80% of American families were debt-free. Today, however, over 80% of the American people are saddled with debt. I was asked recently what advice I could offer in the midst of the national tension we currently face. One of the things I said in response was to work toward getting completely out of debt. So much fruitfulness and faithfulness to God has been robbed from us due to the impact of crushing debt. One of the best things you can do for your family right now is to become debt-free.
7: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner, or visit the podcast page at AFR.net. For more, from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American
8: Family Association. Hi, I'm Pastor Burt Harper. My wife Jan and I would like to invite pastors and their wives to the Fishbowl Retreat. I'm co-host of Exploring the Word and Exploring Missions here on AFR, but I've also been a pastor for many years, so I know pastors and their families deal with unique challenges. That's why we started this retreat years ago. Pastors are called to a higher standard, and we want to come alongside and offer support. The
0: AFA Pastors and Wives Fishbowl Retreat is returning October 18th through the 20th to Linden Valley Conference Center in Linden, Tennessee. You don't even need to miss a Sunday.
4: Our guest speakers are another pastor and his wife, Will and Mickey Addison of American Family Radio.
0: Register today by calling 662 844 5036, extension 297 or at repairingthefoundations.net.
8: The AFA Pastors and Wives Fishbow Retreat. We'd love to see you there.
4: This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. President Biden is expected to use a rare primetime address tonight to reiterate attacks he has made repeatedly in recent days on millions of supporters of Donald Trump's efforts to make America great again. Biden's description of, quote, his Republican MAGA friends, unquote, as quote, semi-fascists, unquote, in conjunction with calls to restrict gun ownership, and loose talk about an impending civil war, goes beyond rallying the Democratic base in the run-up to a critical midterm election. The question occurs. Is all this calculated to provoke people on the right and provide a pretext for a leftist government to crack down on them? If so, more than just the prospects for a free and fair election are in jeopardy. A prime beneficiary, as is generally true of Team Biden's policies, would be a Chinese Communist Party seeking to take down our country. This is Frank Gaffney.
0: Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
1: All right, Sandy Rios, back with you. Um, just quickly, we, we talked briefly this week about the uprising in Europe over... Uh, farms not being able to get fertilizer, we're hearing the same thing in our own country, but there haven't been strikes by the farmers yet. But in in, uh, in Holland, uh, in uh, other countries, we talked about how they, the, the economies are being destroyed and also about the, the terrible crunch on energy, ability to get energy and to, to keep your homes warm. We talked yesterday about this uh, uh, area near Berlin, Germany, where I used to live, where they're going out into the woods and cutting, you know, trees down to prepare for the winter because they don't trust uh, their government. In fact, uh, this is one that just came in my box this morning. German fi- farmers are rising up in Stuttgart, Hamburg, Hanover, Dresden, Würzburg, Mainz and, Mainz and other cities in Germany, mass protests against EU climate policies, which are destroying the European agricultural sector. It will be a very hot autumn in Europe and beyond. Uh, so um, there's a lot more to say about this, but in regard to energy, remember that uh, a French, one of the leaders under Macron, made a statement this week that the French are going to have to just—it's uh, called—they call it economic patriotism, where you you know don't use as much power and you're you might be cold, uh, because remember President Trump warned them if they didn't make take certain precautions, maybe build nuclear, get their energy from somewhere else, they were going to become dependent on the Russians, which they have become dependent on the Russians. And now uh, the Russians are at war with Ukraine, and so most of Europe is supporting Ukraine. And so they're encouraging their people in Germany and Holland and, you know, France uh, to, you know, you might be cold, but that's, you know, that's part of being patriotic. If you really love your country, you'll just allow yourself to be cold. So it was really amazing to me. Someone sent me this this morning. This is the German Federal Minister of Foreign Affairs, Annalena Baerbach. Um, and this is what she had to say about to, you know, to Germans about what the coming very, very cold, freezing winter. She is very concerned not. Clip four.
5: But if I give the promise to people in Ukraine, we stand with you as long as you need us. Then I want to deliver, no matter what my German voters think, but I want to deliver to the people of Ukraine. And this is why for me it's important to be always very frank and clear. And this means every measure I'm taking, I have to be clear that this holds on as long as Ukraine needs me. We are facing now a winter time where we will be challenged as democratic politicians. People will go on the street and say, we cannot pay our energy prices. And I will say, yes I know, so we help you with social measures. But I don't want to say, OK, then we stop the sanctions against uh, Russia. We will stand with Ukraine. And this means the sanction will stay also in wintertime, even
1: if it gets really tough for po- politicians. I wonder if it will get tough for Annalena. I wonder if she'll be cold this winter or if she's going to be the German people while she stands by Ukraine. And the problem with that is not, there are a lot of fine Ukrainian people. And I have great sympathy for the suffering they're going through, but the government is corrupt. They're as corrupt as the Russian government, and so you pick your poison. And I, I, I just uh, this and this point of the, the, the way this relates to us is that this is kind of the way it's going in the Western world. Uh, the rest of the world is used to totalitarian governance, but we're not. This is top-down leadership where they don't give a wit about what happens to the people they will do what they will do they are they believe that we have to control the climate they actually believe they can control the climate and so because of that you must just endure not being able to drive your cars uh not being able to survive a winter some of you may die but that's the price of you know patriotism that's you know you're doing that for your country somehow some twisted way that's what's happening so that's in germany I want to, I've gotten a lot of interesting email from you guys a lot of wonderful things and thank you i've uh, I confess to you I feel like this week I've been I've just given you so little hope. I've given you a lot of conversation I talked to you about a lot of bad things and I was just praying this morning before I got up that I I just don't it's not my intention to leave you without hope because honestly I truly do know that God is sovereign. I do understand it I trust him. Uh, it's that interesting balance between God's sovereignty and and man's free will, uh, because I still believe, uh, because I believe Scripture teaches that we have to fight, 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 and we we do the best we can. I I think it's pretty cl- clear. Like when they were rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem and Nehemiah, uh, the people ended up having to fight with one hand with a sword and build with the other hand. Uh, they had to do both in order to accomplish that, and uh, we are going. We're in a fight. We are in a fight, and so I can't like. Sing a lullaby and tell you everything's going to be fine. I think the scripture's pretty clear that everything's not going to be fine. I don't, I don't, you know. We uh, the green pastures that we're going to lie down in are, uh, I think, of the soul and the spirit because no one can touch the inside of us. Uh, the peace is transcending anything that makes sense humanly. That is what God gives. My peace I leave with you, not as the world gives you peace, but that deep, inexplicable peace that makes no sense in the face of tragedy. That's what God gives us. And sometimes, sometimes he gives us victory here on earth, and sometimes he brings justice here on earth, and I'm praying for that. But if he doesn't bring it in my lifetime, that does not in at all affect my faith and trust in him. I know that he is uh, handling Everything and that things will come to some sort of an apex at some point, and there will be justice. I always say I, I don't, I wouldn't want to be the people who are propagating or uh, trying to take control and doing horrible things in the process, uh, not only in this country but in other countries as well. There will be justice. Yeah, there will be justice. And as what Jonathan Edwards said, it's a fearful thing to stand before a righteous God. I believe that's in uh, Hebrews too, in some form or fashion, uh, but. Uh, all right, so uh, please don't be discouraged, and I just ask you to remember, those of you that are followers of the Lord Jesus, uh, be sure and spend time in God's Word, uh, because that's the best anecdote, you know, spend uh, time in God's Word every day so that you can handle the the slings and the arrows <laughs> that are going to be coming our way, and uh, just prepare yourself, you know, exercise, like if you, if you work out like I do, then work out your spiritual muscle, muscles too, uh, because we have to get ready for this. And uh, that means there's going to be some bad news. You know, I think the persecuted Christians, you know, when they met quietly behind closed uh, doors—well, I've been with persecuted believers in China and other countries where they met together behind closed doors, and they worshiped, but they also understood that there was great peril. So there was a sobriety, and I think that uh, sobriety is an order. But forgive me if I'm a little bit too sober sometimes and don't give you enough hope, but I always want you to know that I trust the Lord Jesus— And you should, too, because he's worthy of our trust. He's proved himself faithful through all generations. Remember that? Yeah, through all generations. All right. I've got some interesting email from you. I, guys, I actually, for some reason, didn't get this printed out, but several of you have commented on my interview with Matthew Ferracci, uh, uh, the producer of The Chosen, and pretty upset with me for um actually talking to him because some of you think that the chosen was heresy. Now look, I have no opinion about that because as I told you and I told Matthew at the time, I've only watched like I haven't watched much at all. I, I think I watched the trailer and I watched the I think the opening uh the opening seg uh the first the first episode. I just never got to it, but um, my f- friends that I trust thought it was great. So I don't have an opinion on it. I just have to note that a lot of you do, and you think it's just horrific. So I uh, can't—I'm sympathetic to that. I'll certainly watch now with that in mind. And um, at some point, if I can make my way through those episodes, I will come back with an opinion on it. Um, Someone said they thought I had a lot of Mormon influence. I know nothing about that. Matthew is Jewish, so I wouldn't know about him having Mormon influence uh, so I, I don't I, I don't really know what to say, but I did read them and I did hear what you had to say, and you've alerted me to some problems that I, ha- I have to look into. All right, this is the other thing that got people's uh, dander up, and that was my interview with Mark Meckler of Convention of the States, uh, and that was at CPAC. Mark is the head of Convention of the States, and if you weren't if you didn't hear that interview, then you might want to go back and podcast and listen to that because this is something that may affect all of us. Uh, mark and those that support the convention of the states um is uh they believe this is a way to uh get around the out of control federal government that we have right now the one that's just ruling us mercilessly creating a huge administrative state that fines and punishes us when there is no law to do that but they have their rules in these administrative states where they punish you'd be like the like the IRS and uh, and so they think that's a way of pulling this back, and uh, Mark made a very compelling case, and I uh, uh, announced my support of it in that interview. Uh, and uh, just some background on that, I've known about this for years because the the founder of this, Mike Ferris, is a very good friend of mine, and Mike gave me a briefing on this several years ago. And I, was, uh, I listened, but I was reluctant to jump on because I didn't feel the urgency, and my good friend Phyllis Schlafly was opposed to it, and I trust Phyllis, I trust Mike too. So, um, but I have to say to all of you who uh, wrote me and want me to reconsider my position on that, and you gave really compelling reasons. And so I, I'm i very respectful. I love the interactions. Some of the things that you uh, said are pretty impressive um, in, in the right way. I mean, you've really been thinking this through, many of you. And God, I'm, I think that's fabulous. And some of you know more of the details than I do because I'm like a, a generalist, I have to know a, a, I have to know about a lot of things, and I don't have a deep, deep layers of understanding about some things, and that's this is one of them. But I have uh, quite a bit of knowledge about it. I would just say this to you: when I try to, just like when I suggest to you that you find out who to support in a race, I always look to see who's supporting things. If I don't have the time, I look to the, the people that I trust who are down in the weeds on this issue. And uh, I also, then, my own experience, my own experience is that we are in crisis. We are in more of a crisis than we were when my dear friend Phyllis was opposing this. And when she died, we weren't in as much of a crisis as we are now. I think that we are so close to losing this country that I can feel like the flames lapping at my feet. And that makes me willing to listen to things that might at one point have been maybe risky. Some of you feel it's risky, and I understand those risks. That's what Phyllis thought, too. But um, people that I trust, and I'll, I'll just name one, Mark Levin. Mark, I've known Mike, Mark for years. you listen to Mark. Mark is a constitutional scholar, and Mark and I have, uh, through the years, just about always agreed, this doesn't, for whatever the point is here, we almost all always see things the same way. I'm not an expert on constitutional law. Mark is, and um, he's supporting this, and I am inclined to trust him on this uh, because maybe not normally, maybe I'd say, like some of you, don't mess with the Constitution, don't mess, don't open this Pandora's box. Uh, but remember that the, uh, our founding father said that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of those ends, the, the ends that were laid out in the, in the uh, Bill of Rights, the preamble, uh, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to um, to establish new governments. And I think uh, this is not establishing a new government. This is um, adding to and, cont- and trying bringing back into control uh, this monolithic monster that is destroying this country against the will of the people, against the will of the people uh, in a destructive mode, then something extraordinary has to happen. And so that's why I still stand by my endorsement A convention of the states. I think something extraordinary. I respect each and every one of you who feel that this is a little risky, and I understand the reasons. But I think maybe we're going to have to take some risks here, and we're going to have to get some skin in the game. We're going to have to fight in a different. It's either that or we're going to have to go to war, physically. Yeah. So you think about that. Uh, What are we going to do to save our country? What are we going? What do you propose? You think just philosophically, the Constitution is so great. We it is great. But to be clear, the convention of the states does not alter the Constitution. They're proposing amendments uh, to to push back how the left has interpreted the Constitution. Uh, but um, it, I just think we are in crisis right now. We have to consider extraordinary things, and that's why I I stand by that. I, I'm sure. Sorry if I disappoint some of you. you will have to agree to disagree on this. Uh, at some point, I might have a I might actually have a back and forth. Why not uh, about about this with. People that oppose the Commission of the States and people that uh, embrace it, like Mark Meckler. Maybe we'll have a time to do that. I'm not opposed to that. Just I have to think about it more. The problem is that there's so much news I have to cover so much. You have no idea how many things I have to leave out. And uh, I was just thinking about this this morning. You know, I, I've always been the kind of like a host that when my I have company, my sock door is clean. Like, who cares? because uh, I try to do too much and cover every base, and that's a good thing. It's also a bad thing. So right now I'm having to, you know, forget that the sock drawer is kind of cluttered <laughs> and cover everything that I can reasonably cover, and it might not include that, but I will certainly give it serious consideration. So listen, thank you so much for listening. Tomorrow you're in for a treat. We're going to be interviewing Chief Justice Roy Moore, who was just exonerated. Uh, By a court in Alabama and awarded $8.2 million. It's an incredible story. You want to hear it, so stay tuned. Sadie Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
7: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.